Thanks for listening to the River Claremont podcast. We pray you are encouraged by today's message. For more information or to stay connected with what's happening at the river, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the River Claremont. We're in a series called Good Ground. I believe we are good ground. If you believe it, say amen. amen. Turn with me in your Bible to Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. It says, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate the one and love the other, or else you will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. We established week one of this three weeks ago. Mammon is not money, like the New Living translates it to. Um, mammon is a demonic principality that makes you pursue money, makes you pursue the things of this world, fame, fortune, and miss out and serve your whole life for temporal things instead of God. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, which you you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body more than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all of these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first, say first, The kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Matthew 6, 34 in the Passion Translation is worded, Refuse, refuse to worry about tomorrow, but deal with each challenge that comes your way one day at a time, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Who believes that God is a great, great author for your life? Who believes that God's plan will always be better than your plan? Today we're talking about the third installment of our series and the final one. We talked about your treasure, how honoring God with your wealth matters. What you have in this world, you turn around and give back to the Lord. Last week we talked about your time. Time leads to intimacy. Whoever you spend the most time with is who you will have the deepest intimate relationships with. That's a fact, Jack. So spend time with God and you will develop intimacy with the Lord. Today I'm going to talk about your talents. Talents is the area where surrender matters most. The worldly spirit of mammon can throw fame, fortune after a person with the right talents. Young Christians start out in their booming career as singers. And then Christ gets less and less of them until they're not even believers anymore. We've seen that in the secular world as well as on church stages across the world. People rose to heights and lost their love for God. God gave them the talents to begin with, but rather than glorify Him with them, they began to serve mammon. Believers start out in business. They have kindness, honesty, and integrity because of Christ in them. They work hard, but then over time begin to lose their affection for Christ with their increase because they feel their success makes them untouchable or better than other people in the church, which is not true at all. I believe Christians can and should be wealthy and can be famous. I just think that those that make it that, that, that make it have a more difficult time staying humble, teachable, and full of God. So a wise person realizes that wisdom says anybody is liable to fall. So what safeguards do I have in my life so that I ensure I do not fall? 
As Billy Graham's ministry exploded, he wrote and pinned down what has been known as the Modesto Manifesto, governing things that him and all of his staff signed at the beginning of Billy Graham's ministry in Modesto, California. They would never be caught alone with a woman. They never counseled a woman alone, never rode on an elevator alone with a woman, never rode in a car with a woman alone. All of his men signed it saying, we will never, ever have the appearance of evil or give way in any capacity to a claim to be levied, levied against this ministry in that, that area. They said that we will always walk upright, tell the truth about finances, account for every dollar, show forth what we spend our money on. So they laid out principles to govern, which ultimately led to that ministry affecting and preaching the gospel to more than any ministry to date has been uh, able to reach in, in modern society or ever. So I want to share with you the truth of honoring God with your talents, what people think is they think that every open door that exists is an opportunity that God gives you. God is not the only one that can give you an opportunity in life. Yeah. The enemy can sometimes create golden carrot moments that, that, that look good, feel good, and fill you with excitement and control you off track for many years. The way I've learned to follow God is that God's leading and really and truly when God is in it, it's more like a fire. It's more like something deep in your spirit, sometimes even things you don't want to do, that burns in you night and day. Whereas when the world opens a door, when mammon gives you a door, your head spins with excitement, wild opportunities reel through there, but that is it. In itself, it creates an anxiety. You have like an anxiousness because your mind is reeling from it, and God does not lead from anxiety or anxiousness. God leads from a fire deep within a person. When I was first saved, the first encounter I had with God like, led me on this whole journey, which we just did shout to the Lord this morning. That song has a special place in my heart because I was a young teenager in Nashville, Tennessee, scared to raise my hands and worship to people, being made fun of because I was falling in love with Jesus, still in a party crowd, went to church that Sunday, and I said to the Lord, if, you, if, you, if, this, if the Holy Ghost is of you, if you fill people with the Holy Spirit and you give people the the ability to speak in tongues, and I want it, Lord, fill me with it, and I'll never stop. And then that day, as they sing, shout to the Lord, it was the first day I ever had the boldness to raise my hands and worship. And at that point, when I said, shout to the Lord, the next thing I knew, I was filled with the Holy Ghost, nobody laid hands on me, and I was praying in tongues and singing, shout to the Lord. It was a supernatural moment in my life, and God had me on this journey. I wind up crying out one night, the Lord delivers me of drugs and alcohol. If you're in here and you've been bound up in pain pills, prescription pills, alcohol and drugs, let me tell you something, God can sever and deliver you from every bit of that, remove it from your nature. You do not have to spend 25 years bound in something, God can remove it from your life, amen. You just got to want it, amen. So the Lord spoke to me, he said, move from where you're living or in two months time you'll be right back where I just delivered you from. Well, I went to my boss. I was a commercial foreman for an air conditioning and refrigeration company at a young age. And no, don't ask me to fix your air conditioner because I've willingly forgotten all of it. I don't remember any of it. And if I see fiberglass insulation, I run in the opposite direction. I've been itchy long enough in my life. Amen. But uh, I went to my boss and I told him what I was doing. I said, I'm leaving. In two weeks, I have to go. And he cussed me out. He was not really serving the Lord. Kind of rough around the edges. Cussed me out. And I'll try and make it quick. I realize we've packed a lot into today. But you have meat you know not of. And fasting produces great results. <laughs> I too am hungry. So amen. amen. 
but do not worry about what you shall eat. We already started with that. <laughs> and uh, he cussed me out everything, said, I'm not going to give you, I was scheduled for a five-digit bonus, probably $20,000, $25,000 bonus that as a 19-year-old kid, that's a lot of money. Especially back in the early 2000s, it was a lot of money. <laughs> money ain't what it once was, you know. Yeah, amen. amen. Anyways, so uh, he said, I won't give you the, any of your bonus if you leave right now. And we were only about three, three weeks, four weeks, maybe five weeks. So I'm leaving in two weeks. It doesn't even make sense. But I knew in my spirit, I have to go. I cannot chance this. So I said, I'm leaving. And really, in the two-week time, the Lord had delivered me from drugs and alcohol. But in that end of the two weeks, it was a pull on my spirit to smoke and do everything because every one of my workers, all of them were doing that on the job site. So it was pulling me back. But I got out, and, and the Lord has kept me free my whole life now. And so the fruit of that is ridiculous. It seems like the dumbest thing imaginable. Wouldn't the Lord want to prosper you and then move you on? Wouldn't God want to bless you, which we believe in the blessing? But the truth is the world can give you an enticement and a blessing just as much as God can and pull you astray and lead you down a path that costs you more than you want to pay. And so I said no to that and the fruit of that was I left, no bonus, never got a bonus. Years later I found out that that boss hit rock bottom, lost everything, thought about me, wound up going to church, gave his heart to the Lord, got radically on fire for God, married a God-fearing woman, and, and the Lord blessed his socks off right before he wound up passing away at the young age of 45 years old, avoiding a dog on the way to drop his daughter off at school. So never underestimate the fruit of what your choice to follow God can produce. So then I wind up in Bible school. And in Bible school every summer, I'd go home to, to, to Tennessee and I'd work a job because I needed to earn as much money as I could to pay tuition. And I was working as a cabinet shop in a cabinet shop with Charlie Champ, my friend that we just did Awake America with. We go way back before we were ever preachers. We were just troubled teens <laughs> <laughs> on fire for God, getting into a lot of trouble in Nashville. But the Holy Ghost trouble, you know, kicked out of streets for preaching the gospel, not for drinking. But um, we worked together and my boss came to me one day and said, I want to give you 50% ownership in this business. It was a booming cabinet business. We were doing very well. Multi-million dollar homes, I mean, full-on cabinets, everything, custom work. It was a lot of money for a young kid, and he offered it to me. And I went to the Lord, and my head was reeling. I'm like, you know, at this time, I didn't feel called to ministry. It was not even on my radar. So this is the blessing of God, right? I mean, this is the Lord. I get to sign and become an owner for nothing. This must be God, and it's a believer. The, believer, the guy that owned it was a believer in my church. It's not like a heathen company. But I went to the Lord and my mind was reeling with possibilities and excitement. But then I began to realize I am anxious. I have no peace. I'm stressed trying to figure out. And I know that God leads from peace, people. He leads from a, 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 from a doesn't originate in the mind. It originates deep within the man. For the spirit of the man is the lamp of the Lord. That's the depth of the man, not the mind of the man. That's where you get led by God. And it, it's like I knew. And so I said no. You know, he was, he was kind of upset, but I didn't care. And I went back to Bible school. And then to, the cherry on the top was I graduate Bible school. I'm working as a medical IT recruiter, the most exciting career that anybody has ever had. Until you've done it, you don't know what you're missing out. It is loads of fun. And I was really good at it, calling people. Basically, you're a headhunter for doctors and, and, and nurses that also can program computer languages. They're... 
a needle in a haystack, but once you find them, you get under contract, you make a lot of money. So that's what I did professionally. And that's the place where the Lord wind up calling us full-time in the ministry. I knew it. My wife called one day and said, we're going in the full-time ministry. I said, finally, we got a green light. And then the next day or two days later, now I want you to hear this because this is just weird. A person reaches out to me on Facebook or LinkedIn. It's a pastor in Houston, Texas. He reaches out to me and gives me his number. I call him and he said, sir, I follow you online. Um, I must have posted something about going to the ministry. He said, I want to offer you a job. We, we have a church here in Houston, Texas. We're exploding. We have a lot of money. I want to give you a salary of $150,000 a year to come and pastor the church, which gives me the liberty to travel out as much as possible because my ministry, traveling ministry is taking off. I, I know who your father-in-law is. I, I see you went for Moral Roberts. I'm behind you 100%. We're exactly like you guys. We're Holy Ghost. Everything, just the green light, this must be God. Right? Right? You feel the green light, I'm going in the ministry, then somebody that doesn't know you at all calls and presents you an opportunity, $150,000 a year. We've been in the ministry 10 years. We still haven't hit that as a salary. Lord, just throwing these things out to you just as a reminder of some of the things in my life that I've walked away from. And so I got off the phone and I immediately just knew this is not God. This is literally, this is literally like a weird curveball from hell. Right when I'm geared up to go on the unknown, and literally the unknown and the uncreated, the unexisting, you know. Well, I'm about to launch to go preach to seven people, but or you could get $150,000 a year. And so I went to my boss and I told him I'm leaving. He said, you can pick any city in the world and I'll, I'll set up a headquarters for this business. So now I'm presented with another opportunity. He said, I'll give you ownership shares in the business. You'll be a millionaire as a, before you even hit 30. Uh, you can pick any city in the world. I will make, give you recruiting bonuses and I'll give you the sales end because you have both ends. You do sales and recruiting and headhunting. You have to find the jobs and then fill the jobs. And I got commissions on both or would have. The guy knew me. Uh, he'd been coming to our youth group that we were helping out with and got, his whole family got saved there. His life had turned around and he looked at me and I said, I'm not going to do that. I'm going into the ministry. And he smiled and he said, I knew you wouldn't take it. That's why I offered you the world because <laughs> I knew I wouldn't have to give it. Amen. Oh. Don't be that person. But, but honestly, the Lord honored that guy because he looked at me and said, you're leaving. I'm not supposed to do this. Our bylaws say or whatever our contract says, if you leave. You don't get paid out in any of your remaining contracts. But he said, I'm going to pay you for them. So for the next 12 uh, months, when we launched, we got installments back from that, which helped us really when we were starting out in ministry. And ultimately, that business wound up selling for $45 million four years after I left the business. So he was a multimillionaire from it. Um, and anyways, just another reminder, Lord. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what the holdup is up there, but... But once again, now, this is the interesting thing. I want you to hear that I presented you with the opportunity. Right. Well, the business that I worked for, the commercial entity, did wind up going bankrupt. He did spiral out of control. He lost everything, and that business was shut down for many years. So if I had stayed, that's what I would have had. The, the cabinet shop that I worked with that was a believer also wound up. Finances got weird. Business shut down. He wound up being the business bankrupted within... 
two years from that date, this church in Houston, Texas that offered me the world wound up, true, true story, we wound up running into people six years later that knew the family. They were a South African family. They had money like you would not believe. Their daughter married one of the shipping moguls, a multi-billionaire into his family. They had more money than they knew what to do with. But then as a billionaire gets in the family funding the entire church, this young lady marries the guy and then two years into it has an affair on him and then winds up the marriage falls apart and of course the people with money pulled out and totally left everything, which sucks on multiple levels because it just shows the, uh, the, these people getting into the church of God, the, the world of the, the Lord, and then somebody does that. They lost everything. Their ministry shut down, their church shut down, they lost it all. What seems like an opportunity is not always a God opportunity. You have to learn to be led by the Spirit of God. If you can just be led by money, by fame, by platforms, you're a wide open target for the devil to take you out. You've got to learn how to be led by God. Amen. If you serve mammon, you will always be led by opportunity and never by the voice of the Lord. Remember this, God found David herding sheep in a field anointed him to be king, but then David, though he had opportunity to take that kingship multiple times from Saul, never took it. For 20 plus years, he waited on the promise to come to fulfillment. Let me tell you something. That's why God said about David, this is a man whose heart is after my heart. This is a man that I can trust. This is a man that I will ultimately tie his name in with the salvation of the world because Jesus will come from this man's bloodline. Why? Because he's in the middle of nowhere. I give him the opportunity to be king and he says, I won't take it, God, until you lay it on my lap. Are you hearing this today? Think about Gideon. God found Gideon in a wine press hiding, but he was the only one God could find to get the job done because everybody else would have relied on the size of the army to fight the battle. Gideon was the only lunatic that would listen to the Lord and say, you're right. I'll only take the people that drink like dogs. How many is it? 300 against tens of thousands? Must be the Lord. It better be the Lord or you will be eradicated and not known of anymore. What am I saying? I'm saying if you can only equate things with a natural mind, you will miss the supernatural of God. It doesn't make sense. That's why the Bible says that the foolishness of God, or, or the, the, the wisdom of man is... Or, what does it say? <laughs> the wisdom of God is foolishness to man. Thank you. <laughs> I know what it says. Peter, Jesus found Peter on a fishing boat. And that day that he found Peter on the fishing boat was Peter's most profitable day ever in business. When you have a boat sinking load of fish rolling into the town... You have made the most money you've ever made as a fisherman. But what did Peter do? He didn't even come in with the boat. He jumped in the water and he swam to the shore. Because he was like, I'm going after Jesus. So if, if it was natural resources that moved him, he wouldn't have followed Jesus on the most profitable day and left the boat and took off on a journey of the unknown. What am I telling you? I'm telling you, let God be the one that leads you. God found Paul on the road to Damascus. Paul had fame. Paul had... had uh, titles he had favor with man he had letters to dominate he had servants that came and he met Jesus in one single encounter and he took and walked away from everything to a people that wanted to kill him but that was God what am I telling you 
you've got to get an encounter with God first and foremost. Have you truly encountered the Lord? Do you know him? Does his name make your heart burn with fire? Do you know his presence? Is that what moves you? Do you know his voice? Can you hear him speak? you got to live your life for this. Anything the world gives you, the world can strip away from you. Anything you get from God, there is not an army on planet earth or an army in the gates of darkness that have any authority to take what God blesses you with. If you believe that, shout amen. And I'm telling you, you got to grab this this morning. We're talking about our talents, honoring God with the very core of what he gave us. He blessed every one of you with supernatural talents. But you got to use that to bless and honor him. Talents are in all of us. For those of you that feel you aren't good at anything, I, I, I've felt that way too. Don't raise your hand right now because we're not having a pity party. But let me just tell you, most everybody under planet Earth does have pity parties. Most every one of us will feel anointed one day and the next day feel like nothing. If you don't feel you're good at anything, I put before you adventure. It is time for an adventure in your life. Unless the journey, unless you journey into the unknown with childlike, wild-eyed expectation, you can miss it. You can miss it because you're comfortable and not knowing your limits. And if you never know them, you will never discover what you can't do. Managing your talents means you actually have to know what they are and what they aren't. Are you with me right now? God will lead you into the unknown and he will take you to places that you don't possess what it takes to get the job done. Why does he do that? Because that is the greatest lesson you're ever going to learn. That when God leads you to the place you cannot stand on your own, you lean entirely upon him. And that is the key to great strength. I was serving God. I gave everything I could in Bible school to the point that I collapsed on the ground in sheer exhaustion. I was running on three hours of sleep a night for six plus months. I was given all that I had fasting every other week because I would give everything in the offering. I was doing everything to get a word from God and get direction from God. Pouring out and ultimately I collapsed so tired and I said to God, I don't have any strength to go further. I'm done. And I expected to hear the Lord say, suck it up, buttercup. Who thinks that? I mean, what do we think about the Lord? It's like we can't fail God. If we fail God, he's going to whoop us up right now. Which you should have a fear for God. But as I said that to God, as clear as you can hear my voice, God spoke to my spirit. And he said, instead of saying, what took you so long, or, or instead of saying, suck it up, he told me, good, what took you so long? And I was like, what do you mean, God? He said, you've been doing everything in your own strength. To go where I want to take you, you cannot get on your own strength. And then the moment I heard that by the Lord, I opened up my Bible and I found right at the beginning of Jeremiah, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you and I ordained you. Tears filled my eyes and I felt like Jesus in Luke chapter 4 when the angels became to minister unto him and build him up in strength. I felt supernaturally charged and I went out and I accomplished the task that was set before me to do. God will strengthen you for the task. Amen. Amen. But listen to me. Fear of failure is what stops most believers. As a child of God, you've got to eradicate fear in your life. The Bible says he did not give you a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. We got too many believers afraid of fail failure, afraid of man's opinion, afraid of sickness, afraid of death. Jesus removed everything for you to be afraid of. You shouldn't fear lack. You shouldn't fear hunger. You shouldn't fear people against you. You should know who you are in Christ Jesus. Fear has no place in your life. Amen? Eradicate fear. Get rid of it. You don't have to fear death. You don't have to fear sickness. You don't have to fear poverty. You don't have to fear hunger. Because in Christ's sufficiency, you are self-sufficient. 
If you believe it, shout amen. amen. A thousand can fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand. But it ain't coming near you. If you believe that, say amen. amen. If you have God's spirit in the inside of you, you are equipped for every work that he sets before you. Do not let fear of failure. Do not let fear of government. Do not fear, let fear of anything hold you back. If there is fear that is governing your life, you need to cast it outside the window and do something supernaturally charged in faith to break it. Amen. Amen. You don't live by fear. At 1 Kings 1, 19. Or sorry, 1 Kings 19, verse 19. Elijah went and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, plowing a field. There were 12 teams of oxen in the field, and Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. Elijah went over to him, threw his cloak over his shoulders, and then walked away. Elijah left the oxen standing there, ran after Elijah, and said to him, First let me go and kiss my father and mother goodbye, then I will go with you. Elijah replied, Go on, go on back, but think about what I have done to you. So Elijah returned to his oxen, and he slaughtered them. He used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh. He passed around the meat to the townspeople. They all ate, and then he went with Elijah as his assistants. Now, the interesting thing I want to point out to you here is there was not a contract driven, given up. There was no mention of payments, terms, rewards of any capacity. Elijah just threw a cloak on his back. And Elijah perceived in that moment that this is a divine opportunity. And he went to the very thing that gave him sustenance, his oxen and his plow. And he slaughtered them all and burned them and gave them up so that there would be no enticement to go back. To what he once had because the bible says once you place your hand on the plow do not look back are you with me church follow the voice of the lord if it's natural things that moves your heart then the enemy still has control of your life you say you can preach it all you want but until you break that in your life that i am not serving mammon I am not living for fame. I am not living for fortune. I'm not living for the applause of men. I am living for the words, well done, thy good and faithful servant. And if I have a hundred years or ten years from the Lord, may every day count for something that God has set out for me. If you believe that, say amen. amen. Jesus, Jesus. Many people think the racing of possibilities is God, but his ways are different. His ways are a deep, almost ache of the heart. He leads from the depths of man. And the world entices merely through the mind of man. Matthew 25, and I'm bringing it to a close today. Matthew 25, 14 through 29 is the parable of the talents found in all three of the synopsis gospels. Every one of them mentions this parable that Jesus taught. Now we understand that the talents mentioned here is not talents within the inside of a person, but talents of gold. It is a measure of wealth. Because how you govern your wealth is exactly how you govern your talents. They are tied together. And so the moral of the story as we read through it is it's a long parable that one got five, one got three, two, one got one. Jesus goes through that the five produced five more, the two produced two more, and the one that only had did not produce any more. So what was taken, what he was had, was taken from him and given to another person. Obviously we read that and realize that God is not a socialist. First thing I want to point out though is it begins and it says, he gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last. Dividing it in proportion to their abilities. Dividing it in proportion to their abilities. Let me tell you something. Whatever God leads you into, you're not going to be the best at it. There will always be someone better than you. There will always be someone that has better hair, more wealth, 
a greater gift of speaking. I'm a preacher. I regularly listen to preachers and think, these guys can talk and communicate way better than me. I stumble over words, okay? Words are hard, people. <laughs> I can't do math publicly. <laughs> I'm limited in so many ways. I look at them and they're calm, collected. They deliver the message and I get up there and I shout half the time. I spit on the front row. I run over here. I start in a story and then I'm like, did I even finish the story? Hope nobody realized that. So if you let yourself only feel it's the Lord, if I'm the best, you're going to miss out on what God has for you. Everybody is divided according to their own proportion of what they have. You're not going to be the best at anything in life, but whatever God has for you, be faithful to use that very thing to honor God. Come on, somebody. When I went in the ministry, and particularly when I became a pastor, I started instantly looking at churches. How long did it take them to get here? How I created all these milestones. I looked at that, put it all out. What is, what is my checklist? How do I do it? And the Lord spoke to me and said, Caleb, do not compare yourself to anybody else. Because you're either going to feel you're doing better than them, which will lead to pride, or you're going to feel they're doing better than you, which will make you jealous. And neither of those outcomes do I want for your life. And yet, you know, when the Lord said that to me, it relieved me. But you know how many times I had to remind myself of that word? Every single week of my life. Sometimes eight times a week. Are you with me? Because where does the mind want to go? I want to track. I want, am, I, am I getting the milestones? How am I holding up in comparison to the body of Christ? Are these people outperforming me? What do they have that I don't have? What are they doing that I don't do? They're just better at everything. Am I just the lowest lows? And then before long, you're in the corner crying to God. <laughs> the Lord's probably up there in heaven being like, man, I put my Holy Ghost in that? I mean, I'm not, I'm not an Indian giver, but I might take it back. Somebody says that term's racist. Well, get over it. I'm not politically correct. Politically correct is just a fear man created to stop you from speaking the truth anyways. Sometimes you just got to say something. Amen. Listen, you don't have to be the best, the richest, or the wisest. Just decide to be fully on board with God. That even if I feel like I have one talent, if I feel I have half a talent, then I can either throw a pity party my whole life and decide because I don't have a lot of talents, I'm going to serve mammon. Or I can decide, well, I don't have a lot, but what little I have, I will bring and put it in the hands of the master. And whatever he asks for me, I will be faithful to do it. Amen? You look at some of the largest ministries on planet earth today. Look at like, like Kenneth, Kenneth Copeland. Huge ministry, giving away 30 plus jets. You know how he went in the ministry? By piloting Oral Roberts. That was his talent. He could fly a plane. He flew the plane of a man of God. And what happens? He winds up in the ministry. Look at Jerry Savelle. How did Jerry Savelle get in the ministry? He got in the ministry because he fixed cars. And one day Kenneth Copeland brought a car in there that needed repairing. Jerry Savelle repaired the car. And before long traveled with him. And now he's carrying the gospel into a whole brand new generation. Guys, it's simple. Honor God with whatever talent you have. And when the door from God opens, you will know it opens because there will be an unction by God. Plus, there will be confirmation from men and women of God around you. Amen. Let God lead you. He divides according to your abilities. If you don't feel you got a lot of abilities, then you better honor God with what you got because that is the key to multiplication. Amen. 
There are those with great abilities that don't, they're not willing to honor God though. There are people that are more talented than you, have more wealth than you, that refuse to serve God. So what does that mean for us? Remember in Bible college, Pastor Rodney, who was my pastor, my father-in-law, my mentor, my, the, the president of our Bible school, he runs like every head of authority in my life. So to say that I'm afraid of the man is an understatement. <laughs> it took me like forever to like not be uncomfortable during the holidays around him, you know. Everybody's laughing and drinking eggnog and I'm in the corner like, men of God. You could call me dad. No, 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 no. The word says, call no man father. <laughs> I was like afraid of it. I fasted three days to, to get the courage to ask him to marry his daughter. I mean, no food, just like every day on my face. And then I went to him, and it was like the roughest thing ever, you know. Like, you got your minds racing of how to say it, and it comes out like, I love good daughter, marry her. Like, in your mind, it's just really well laid out. Three points, a promise, delivery, and it's like, bleep, daughter, bleep, dang, Kurt, Kurt, what say you? And you're just sitting there like, oh, my God, I want to disappear. He just looked at me and he said, sure, okay. And I was like, oh, <laughs> all right, chalk it up. And then I was like walking out of the room like this, you know. But in Bible college, he said, people were like, wrap up the story already, bro. He mentioned that when, when the Lord gave him their ministry of great joy that exploded him around the nations of the world, he's ran now four faithful decades in the ministry serving the Lord. And uh, there was a time that people mocked him. Anything God does break us loose in your life, you're going to find out people mock you for it. I mean, I don't know why that is. People, Christians are some of the most jealous people out there. It's a sad thing because they don't realize that you celebrating another person's win actually opens the doorway of that upon your life. Train yourself to celebrate when another person gets a win and you will never regret it. A friend of mine got given a, like a nearly a brand new Mercedes Benz this past week. You know, I'm like, instantly, I'm like, bro, like, thank God. Or I could sit there in my mind like, you've never given me Mercedes Benz, Lord. <laughs> Anyways, he said that after the persecution came, he said to the Lord, God, I don't want to be known as the laughing evangelist. And so, please, I want you, I want revival, but not this. So he went into church service, and it was the deadest church service he's ever been in. And he was arguing with the Lord as he preached, saying, God, why are you not moving in this crowd right now? Why is this so dead? And the Lord said, because you're ashamed of what I want to do. He said, because you're ashamed of it, I will take it from you and I'll give it to another person. And he said, no, 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 God, I repent right now. Let man say whatever they want to say about me, but I'm living for you. You do what you want to do. And then the power of God began to flow in the service again. And when I heard that as a young born, uh, uh, Bible school student, I was in Dayton cursing at the time. I was a... Uh, you know, dairy farmer's son from Tennessee. I heard that and I saw in the spirit a green light to realize that God has people that are equipped for a great work that when he tries to place that mantle upon them, they are ashamed to carry it in this generation. And God says, I will take it from them and I will place it on another. And I said to the Lord that day, if there is anybody, 
If there was any mantle out there floating in the heavenlies because someone don't want to carry it, put it on this guy right now. If it's a ministry of every ingrown toenail in the world gets healed when I call, I will be the ingrown toenail guy. Just show up, Lord. Amen. No, I mean, I was serious. I was like, God, I am not ashamed of you. You broke off every curse in my life. You took me from darkness into light. I was going straight to hell and you delivered me. So I will live for you. So more on the story is whatever proportion you have now is not what you will wind up with. If you're faithful to use what you have now for the Lord, he will reward. Secondly, the Bible says that the one that had one, it was taken from them and given to the one that had five. Now, why was that? Because the person was not good at what they did. You actually don't even know what the person could produce because the person had a skewed view of the father and that's why he produced nothing. He said within his mouth, I know you to be a harsh man and a hard man. I know you to be that type of person and that's why I didn't produce anything. You want to produce something from God, you got to realize how good the father is. He loves you. He cares for you. He rewards you. He blesses you. He protects you. He watches over you. He is a heavenly father on your side day in and day out. Anything he asks you to give up is because he's protecting you from something you don't even know about. Anything he gives you, nobody on earth can take from you. Amen. When we were in the ministry, we, we just started. We're running our race. We're, we're, we're tired. We're, we're young married. We want to go on a vacation. Winds up, God supernaturally blesses us, and we get to go on a cruise. And it was like the greatest time ever. And I remember I said to the Lord, why are you doing this? Because it was miraculous how it even happened. And I thought it was because, because, son, you preached. Remember that person in Pratt, Kansas that you gave a word for? We always attach it to something we did. And I was like, God, why are you doing this? You know what he said to me? Without reservation, without even a second delay, he said, I'm doing this because I love you. And I just sat there in the hotel room crying. You know, he loves me. And that's, maybe you're that way. I struggle with that. And I don't even know why. I struggled for years. Does God love me? I would see the hand of God on other people. I would see, they, obviously God loves them. Obviously God's with them. But for whatever reason, I had a blockage in my mind. Does God actually love me? And then he just does things like that. Why? Because he loves you. Why do we produce? Why do we use our talents? Because of, 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 of if we don't, we're going to lose it all. We do it because our father is a good father. Because he said in his word, whatever you place your hand to will prosper. He's placed talents and giftings on the inside of me. I give it back to him and I will watch the reward of my father in my life. And I will shine forth for his glory. Amen. Amen. And the third thing that you realize, this entire parable. You, many people take many things from it. The entire parable exists in three gospels to teach you one lesson. And that lesson is this. That if you do something with your life for God, God rewards those that do something. He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. The whole principle here is not it took from the one. The principle is if you just are faithful to do what you can with what you got, guess what? I will multiply. I will give you more. I will reward you. I will pour out my favor upon you. That's what Jesus was teaching. That for the person that feels they have nothing, God says, if you take your nothing and you're faithful to give me nothing, I will reward you and I will multiply what you have. That's the blessing of God. Amen. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for every precious person here. 
If you don't know Jesus, if there is anywhere in your life where you say, I don't know the Lord. If I died today, I'm not certain I would go to heaven. Then I want to tell you so much from my heart that God loves you. He's always loved you. There's nothing you can do. The Bible says you cannot escape the love of God. You can run from the east to the, to the west. You can try and outrun the sun, but his love will find you everywhere. He never wavers in that. God loves you, but he does call you to repentance. He does call you to walk away from this world. He does call you to give up things. And why does he do that? Because those things are hurting you. Those things are pulling you away from the blessings of God. Those things are opening a doorway for hell to wreak havoc in your life. And God says, I don't want that for you. I want heaven's best in your life. And it's a decision he sets before you every day. For in his word, he says, today I've set before you blessing and cursing, life and death. Therefore, choose life, the Bible says. It's like Joshua stood up to the children of Israel and said, choose you this day what God you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's set before you every day of the year. You don't need a Christmas holiday. You don't need a special day. Every day is the day of salvation. And you can say, God, today I choose to follow you. I want you in my life. And if that's you, I want to pray with you and for you today. Because God wants to start something epic in your life. Secondly, you're hearing at one time you were serving God, but the cares of this world came in. Maybe you were let off track. Maybe you paid a price you didn't think... You could, you could handle. Maybe tragedy struck you. Maybe you went through a hard time where you're like, God, I don't understand what's going on. If we pass the microphone, I can tell you, in this room, many of us have faced storms that have taken out other people. And I'm standing here today not because I'm the strongest, not because I'm the greatest. I'm standing here today of some of the storms that God has helped me navigate simply because I stepped, kept leaning into his presence. The days I felt empty, I had the wisdom to say, God, I need you to fill me. Because I don't know what's going on right now, and I don't know how I got here, but I know that I need you. And if that's you, you say, I need you, God. I want you back in my life, ever before me. I want to recommit myself. I want to place my life right back in your hands. If you fit into that, then I'm going to pray with you and for you today. So with every head bowed, every eye closed. Thanks for listening to the River Claremont Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in seeing lives touched and changed by the love and power of Jesus, you can give online at www.riverclaremont.com. Your prayers and financial support are changing lives.